Hey everybody, it is Sunday and it's uh, time for the All-American After Show, a show about the All-American A Fake Crime podcast uh, written and starring Kenneth Quinnell. And many others. Kenneth Professor Rex Quinnell and others. Hey everybody, it's me. I'm the host today, Charles Lasky. I played Chris Hodges in the previous episode and I'm with Professor Rex. Samara. Yeah, no Gandhi snitches. Layla. So my question is about the, so like the character of uh, Mr. Stormy Weathers. Mm-hmm. Like, is a really good character. Douche. I, yeah, he's definitely a douche. He's like, uh, what if, what if, uh, what if Ira Glass was uh, Geraldo <laughs> Rivera? Uh, That's not far off from the inspiration. <laughs> okay, yeah. So the one thing I do have a question about it because, like, uh, a lot of the times it's very. Um, not, not like the, what's the opposite of succinct, long-winded, pedantic? Yeah, yes. Yeah, you, the listeners, splainy, splainy. That's it. Mansplainy. So, yeah. So yeah, well, what was what was your? But absolute. So it's absolutely mansplainy. But the, here's the point: is that this was written in '98, so it was before the phrase came out. But it's intentionally going after that thing where there's yeah. this white dude who thinks he knows everything about this story and he over-explains it. And he thinks that the listeners are dumb. That's why he's like, you, the listener. And he says that multiple times in this episode. And it'll come up again later. It's like he literally is condescending to his audience. Yeah, it's a drinking game. I am saving this. I am revealing the truth of this story. I'm the hero. Okay. And so that's how he thinks of himself. It's totally not true when you listen to the larger narrative. But he thinks that. And yeah. so rather than just doing a straight ahead characters interacting with each other through honesty, that's mm-hmm. not what's happening here. Okay. The various characters are coming from different points of view. And Jim, Stormy Weathers, and the pause has to be there, Jim is, thinks that he is doing a big service to the world by telling this deeper story. Maybe oh, okay. he is, maybe he's not. But okay. he knows that he is. Okay, and the embellishments are... He thinks this is how you tell stories. Okay. It's like paid he, by the word. He's also paid by the word, but he's also, he's doing a podcast, oh, not okay. a radio show or documentary. Yeah. So he's not gotten yeah. the interest in what he's doing okay. to make it actually the thing that he thinks it is, but he still thinks of it as the greatest and highest and most important thing. Oh, okay. That's Jim's characters. Jim is like, I am revealing a truth that will change the world okay. by revealing this story. Yes. So there's no way that what he's revealing is what he thinks it is. So yeah. he's way over-inflating mm-hmm. the reality of the story. But he's also doing a relatively good job. It's one of those... It's like So I think the modern era of peak TV, one of the key things is flawed narrators mm-hmm. who still get the job done. Yeah. They don't do it because they're smart and perfect, like, say, a Superman or a Wonder Woman. Yeah. They get the job done because they fuck up and they keep trying, mm-hmm. and eventually they get through. Yeah. And so Jim Stormy Weathers is that kind of guy. He is, yeah. he's a totally egotistical, totally entitled, totally I'm superior to everyone white guy who's mm-hmm. still trying to do a good thing through the revealing yeah. of this story. So that actually leads to a very interesting question, because you're talking about flawed, uh, flawed people. I think there's, especially I think nowadays, with the world being what it is, like at what point do we need to... Like, is just showing a flawed character 
be enough. Cause, like you can say like, oh, this person's like a shitty character, but there's always going to be someone who's like, oh yeah, this this Tyler Durden has something interesting to say. So like, <laughs> what, and it's yes. and, and that's a funny reference. Uh, one of our other friends who's not on this episode last talking episode Tamakazi actually mm-hmm. made a Tyler Durden ask about this character because this, yeah. this chapter one to chapter two there's some very Tyler Durden shit going on there so mm-hmm. the book for Fight Club had been written oh that's right yes. but the movie wasn't out the movie came out in 99 this was written in 98 wow yeah so while it has this probably helps explain well, Fight Club is one of my favorite movies. Yeah. Is that I had already written this. Yeah. Where it's literally that kind of... It's a combination of an unreliable narrator, which is a long literary tradition. Yeah. But yeah. also an unreliable narrator who portrays himself as a reliable narrator. Yeah. I'm a journalist. Right. I'm telling you this. But... Yeah. but and also, you never lie. And on <laughs> top of that... There's also the unreliable narrator of right, chapter exactly. one, yeah, yeah. your character. Yeah. And so these are all on purpose. These layers of what's really happening are there. Mm-hmm. There is a very clear, this is what happened narrative. So another thing I would like to ask is like, this, so there's, have you heard about the satire paradox? Yes. Or like pose loss? Like at what point does a thing become satire and when is that useful for like social change? And when does it become like, oh... It's amazing how good a RevX question that is. Yeah. Because as Professor X, my musical form, I've actually been dealing with that question very severely this week and decided to retire two songs that were very explicitly written as satire. Mm -hmm. But I don't feel that the audience connects that. And one of those songs, Charlie Sheen, is a satire of basically a horribly despicably bad human being yeah like yeah. we know he's abused women physically mm-hmm. these are all things that are on the record and stuff like that and the original point of this song was i'm going to take this song and use the actual words of charlie sheen and twist them into this positive pro whatever message yeah the problem is is that because of that thin line that you're asking about between mm-hmm. satire and endorsement right yeah where right. is that line at with this podcast the line to me is very clear yeah. It's very clear that we're acting. It's very clear that we're playing yeah. characters and we're not endorsing what these characters yeah, do. Yeah, definitely. With the song Charlie Sheen, that's not a clear endorse. It's not clear. Yeah. When I wrote it, it's very clear that I'm rejecting Charlie Sheen as yeah. a person, but using his own words to make an empowering thing. Yeah. That's very clear to me. It's not clear to an audience, so yeah. that's why I'm retiring that yeah. song. If the December 3rd will be the last time anyone ever hears me <laughs> perform that. All right. But uh-huh. more importantly is that for this podcast and this show is that the very thing that's a problem for the song Charlie Sheen that I'm shying away from mm-hmm. is the thing I'm embracing for this podcast. This should be ambiguous. Listeners yeah. right now should not know what to think of you as a character, yeah, yeah. Charles Lasky. They should not know what to think of me. In fact, yeah. they should sort of start to dislike me as of chapter two. Oh, it's subtle yeah. at this point. I did this. It was yeah. exclusively yeah. me. You don't have to say anything, but... Yes. Yeah. So it's like there's these hints and you're like, maybe this guy's a dick. Yeah. Okay. And that's supposed to be there. Okay. That's Whereas a- you're supposed to be completely like after chapter one and chapter two, when you think of Chris, the main character, you're supposed to think right now, I have no fucking clue what to think. Yeah. Of me, the narrator, you'd be like, hmm. hmm. Okay, I have a question for the room. You're listening and you have this realization, oh, maybe this guy's a dick. What's the next part of your thought process? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, so this 
question leads to my question. I don't even know. Well, you know, I'll open up my question too. Yeah. So question nesting doll. It starts as a comment. <laughs> a question nesting doll. Is that what you <laughs> yeah. said? Right. Yeah. So when you say like the next, the next step, right? Mm-hmm. So when he talked about Tim, the so is Crystal Lee character. Yes. yes. Okay. So Chris, Chris committed suicide. Right. So that's factual. Right. So when Chris was talking about Tim and how Tim committed suicide, and then it was revealed that Tim came out at some point in time, and that was the time that Chris equated his suicide. That it was at in least his, in the note. In the note, right? he might not have done that in real life, but in the note, he said that. Right. But there's a lot of time between when Tim came out and Chris kills himself. There's quite a bit of time in there. Six, right. eight months even. Maybe okay. an entire senior year is in that time period. A, a different question. But so, yeah. in my thoughts, what I was thinking in terms of thinking about Chris and like that moving, mm-hmm. that like, what do you think about this character moving forward was that I immediately thought that he was closeted. So, from that experience, I thought that he was dealing with his own personal trauma with that and that that started to perpetuate some of his internal... So, but Jim Stormy Weathers tells you that Chris dated Tracy Reed, the woman he make like makes this allusion to in the first thing. They Which were serious fine. daters. It's still he still be closeted in that space. So, like for me, like, that that doesn't change that, that that story arc for me. So he could be dating whoever he wants to, but still inside of his feelings. So, and- I, so technically, I'm not responding to you. I'm moving along the narrative. <laughs> so you so say what like, you need to say, yeah, and so I will respond. Like, son, what you said was wrong. I so didn't I'm say that. Like, I'm like, He's no. a stitch. <laughs> I explicitly did not say that. Okay, so <laughs> it just threw that that ball in my in, into play for me. Depending on like speaking of, like how it was talked about and how that death was such a big monumental thing for him in what. So your your thought is that Chris is gay, and this is a cover for that. Possibly, well, like as as part of the. Clearly, whole... I'm not going to respond to that. Okay. But I want to hear. I want you to say that. I, I want you the to same s- thing though. So because because of the fact that the way that he talked about that death being a big because Tim was a close friend to him, and that death was a big thing. Uh, for him, the way, that, the way that Tim's family reacted to him. But have you heard what Chris thinks? You heard this suicide note that he put out. Right. That has then been established to be largely false. But the, So how much of the emotions are real? How much I of them are not? There's nuggets of truth in there, too. Like, it would have to be, right? You wrote something, there are always nuggets of truth in it. Right. So Even if they're rejecting of your reality, when people write a thing, it's always re- it's reflective of their truth. Yeah, exactly. So. You either embrace your truth or you reject it. That's all writing. When you write something, you're either accepting your life or you're rejecting it. Mm-hmm. And or that's all writing. That yeah. Reacting, rejecting. Yeah, yeah. You're right. Not everybody reacts in a rejection. You're right. So yeah, but it's it's in that realm. Yeah. There's either an embracement or a rejection to almost all things that are presented to you. Right. Um, I will not tell you how you should do that, but I want to hear what you think. So, so that was a very good question from yeah. Layla. Well, yeah, that's what I was because like I'm curious to see in chapters moving forward what happened with that piece. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, I think there's something there, and then part of that disappearance for me could be somewhere tied into some exploration on that part. Or I, I don't know. There could be something else. 
in that space. So it was an interesting thing for me to think about, especially when that death was a big thing for him and that the family in that story, not that the family came for him, but that he was heavily affected by that death and or by that quote unquote death and what the actual death was, was him coming out. So that for me sparked that no matter what that event was pivotal to him for some reason. And I'm wondering why that was important to him. And I'm thinking that's important to him because but it's, he it's, also rejects being an athlete too. So not like, and so he he's rejecting- At least in the note. In, in, in the note, right. So yeah. the fact that he's rejected being an athlete and he's one of the star athletes is telling me that there's, you know, the, some- The point of him, re- his note and how inaccurate it is, is that the world around you gets described by other people and he's telling everybody that what's been described around us is not my actual story. Uh, so, I, I, I mean, I want to, like, go off of this, too. So, in the fact that other people telling your story isn't necessarily the story that you want to present, for me, the fact, too, that he's denying that athlete part is saying that for some reason he's not even like maybe like not that he doesn't want that to be his story. And so again, that, that kind of like continues with me. To I, w- I will just repeat a phrase that you said that encapsulates some of what I was thinking that I never thought. That doesn't tell his story the way he feels it. He believes it. Being an athlete doesn't tell his story. That's the story in America. If you're an athlete, that's your story. Yeah. Your story is wins, losses, hard work, practices, all that stuff. Whether you want it to be or not, right. that's your story. So why is this reporter, why did he choose this? Or was it something that got chosen for him as a story? It's a really good question. It's a good story. Mm-hmm. And while he's not, he's not a good reporter yet... He's not a good person, maybe. But he is someone who, young, he's not young per se. I want to I say that Jim, in the, the recording, this is in his 30s. Mm-hmm. And his thought process is that he's a citizen journalist. And he takes that more seriously than he would take his marriage or his fatherhood or anything else. I am revealing the truth. And here's a story that has some things that people don't quite get. It doesn't make sense. And I found them out. That's his point of view. He's like, here's a story that was in the news. People know about this because this this star quarterback in the factual thing, three-time state champion. He won his first state championship as a sophomore. And then he won two more. And he graduates and kills himself. Jim thinks that this is a story that if he figures out the reason, this is his break. Just like cereal's a break. Just mm-hmm. like, you know, making a murderer is a break. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Except for the fact that the narrative and the recording are completely timeless and have no place in time. And so mm-hmm. it's like it makes no sense if you followed that part. The story, Chris's story, is all in time, all makes sense. 
the recording and us talking about it and the characters mm-hmm. is not set in any time period, and it cannot be. It literally makes no sense. Again, one of the key influences on this is Twin Peaks. So one of the key things in Twin Peaks is nothing fucking makes sense. It all makes sense, but none of it makes sense. It's outside the realm of standard timelines and possibilities. Mm-hmm. Out, the narrative of Chris's life and what happened is very factual and based, and that's a thing. I know exactly what it is and exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. The people talking about it, none of them know it. So I want to pick up back on citizen journalism being the most important thing in this guy. Yeah. Um, from your perspective, as someone who is in the sort of media world, Mm -hmm. what is the state of citizen journalism today, and what was it at this time when this story took place? It's a very good question. So, I have made my career off of citizen journalism. Yeah. I went from, I started up state level and local blogging, Blogging about what the state legislature doing, what the capital was doing, what the mayor was doing in a state and in a time period where the mainstream media lost funding to do that. Mm-hmm. So what happens is, is you have all these people that are in positions of power that can make decisions that change the lives of the people that live in the houses around them. Mm-hmm. That's the position we live in. Well, at the same time as the only check on that throughout history has been local media. And while that local media that checks on that stuff has been dying. Since the late 90s, local media that checks up on what your local officials are doing and reports on them is on its deathbed. So this is written a little before that, but you can see it coming. So it was very clear, even in the 90s, that the mainstream media was failing the American populace. The whole purpose of the American media in the democratic system is to inform us with the information we need to make the wise decisions we may need to make as citizen voters. The only way democracy works, because as a citizen, you don't have, even you that live in D.C. don't have the time to go down to the Capitol every day and check what they're doing. And you don't have time to go to the state legislatures or go to the UN or go. You can't possibly do it. So in a free country, democratic country, the purpose of a free media is to give you the information that you need as a citizen to make those democratic decisions about the country in your future. That's been failing for 20 years or more. The idea that like this is what it's supposed to do and that's not what's happening. The mainstream media basically have become stenographers. They just tell you whatever people said. Right. And rather than double checking on those facts, what they do is both sidesism. So rather than saying, oh, politician X said Y, let me fact check Y. What they say is that politician Z says politician X is lying. They don't actually determine whether they're lying or not. And that's the whole point of the media. That's the whole point of the media is to fact check. In the I don't know if in the story they allude to either this is kind of like two like two there's two levels to this either social economic status of the community rather than just the person and that that family but also the geographic mm-hmm. space like I know that time is something that yeah so we it's, haven't touched which I've like it's I've, not explicit but it's explicit. Okay. You know what I mean? It's not, it's not talked about, but so this is, 
These are all kids at a suburban, southern, upper middle class place. Hello. When you get into the further details of his life, he's not wanting for anything. Hello. And that'll come up later. Hello. So I won't say more about that. But being low SES is not part of the calculation. Hello. It could be. And it's hinted at and it's discussed vaguely because some of the other characters are, but really, it's not yeah. part of Chris's calculation. Right, like so like once the came out about his family and being who they were, mm-hmm. I got that. But then I was thinking that he maybe lies. That space, he lies about them. That are of other, but it's 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 to the point. Even episode two, they've already revealed enough that, that him talking about them being poor in this stuff is already very clearly false. Right, like he's a rich kid. Yeah. So, I'm, uh, I'm also not 100% answering your question because of future. Yeah, no, stuff, yeah. But and yes, and it's and a good and question. I'm aware this yeah. kind of thing. So, I'm also. What if you answered it and then edited it out? Because I think. But no, then, I, I can tease around. I can dance around the edges. Because I'm also. So, when you talk about the timelessness of the narratives and the narrative. The narrative is timeless. It is not set in one place in time. Mm, the so, story all happened in 1998. I'm going to go, I'm gonna go teach you on this real quick. So do it. I need some more. So this is a big, tell me more. So what I what I mean by that is that I get that. So when you, let me, let me ask a clarifying question. So when you said that the story itself is timeless, do you mean that the story of his life is timeless? That no. Or that the process of the interview stuff like what what for you is timeless the recording itself is not set in time okay on purpose there is no coherence to the timeline of the recording so the events themselves the 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 events themselves are very concrete and set in stone jim stormy weathers and Charles, as the actor reading Chris's suicide note, are interacting with all these other characters in the recording as if they're the real characters in time. Right. But they're very clearly at different points in time. Hold on. So, <laughs> I, I need some more. Yeah, yeah, bring so it, bring it. What, yeah. I'm, what I'm asking is that, yes, the recording of the, of the characters and, and their portrayal of the events didn't happen period period but this is so fucking meta the story it's very meta the story itself Chris's story is very concrete right there's There's an exact timeline there's exact things that happen I know what they are most of them get revealed okay the interviews the discussion the podcast is not set in time so for example for example, are the this is a different question. So, are the interviews in close? You like but, uh, this? I might be answering this myself, but I guess are the interviews and these stories in close proximity to each other, even though they're outside of the actual timeline, or are they like let's say the interview with Charles is happening, but then the interview with like Tracy happens like five? Years, are, it is varies. That, It varies, and it varies in ways that are inconsistent. So in episode three, 
we're going to have a conversation between Charles Lasky as Chris and the actual Tracy. Okay. But when does this take place? Because he's not Chris. Chris is dead. Right. Chris yeah. is not talking. He's this actor. But in all appearances, uh, Clementina is playing Tracy. Okay. And she will always just, yeah. be just Tracy. Okay. In the moment. Looking back on this thing that happened to her. There will never be any change in time. She's always from a set point in time. But you as a listener will never know what set point in time you're hearing Tracy. And Tracy is talking to an actor playing Chris, and you don't know when it is. See, that's so interesting. So, like, it, so this it, is a very, like, a tallow called, you know, kind of situation. So I don't know what that means. <laughs> you know but, what I mean. <laughs> but again, the initial inspiration when I wrote this is Twin Peaks. And, and that guy definitely read Nasser's that character's name is Coach Lynch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh, yeah. He's... He's David, David named after David I was Lynch. Ask, yeah, I was like, yeah, with Toby, Carrie's like, character's name is Audrey Palmer. Yeah, oh, yeah, well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Audrey. Audrey, Audrey is yeah. is uh, what's her name? Sherilyn Finn, and then is Audrey Horn. Palmer is Laura Audrey Horn, yeah. and then Laura Palmer. Yeah. So it's it's literally nice. like I was like, but it's also the the questionableness of the narrative. There is. In these 10 episodes, a very clear story. Mm-hmm. And you, and by that I mean all of you, yeah, will not know what that clear narrative is until episode 10 when he records that part that he has not ever seen. And if he's doing it right, we'll not see until then. Like I shared yeah. the whole thing and it's there. Yeah. But if I want all the actors to not read yeah, anything exactly. other than their parts when they're doing their parts. Yeah. So even stepping back, like as a journalist for uh, what's the journalist character? The Jim Stormy Weathers. Right. So <laughs> in the fact that this has no time frame, how does he, as a journalist, feel like efficacy in terms of like, the story that he's telling? If there's no, because I'm just. Did this happen in like a month span, or again, this is ambiguous. So, so good question. So then, how does he, as someone yeah. who's documenting this, yeah, this story of people giving their experiences on this one person's actual life, how does he qualify and like and say, you know, this was an effective if it was over ten versus fifteen versus five? Like, how does yeah. how in his mind do you think he's going through the steps of? And, and my first response is absolutely. <laughs> That's super because informative. because if he's asking the questions a week later versus ten years later, they're asked differently. Mm. But, but which is it? And right, so <laughs> absolutely, I'm done answering you, and I'm done answering you. All right, cool. This is very explicitly a mystery podcast. Yep, that's the point. It's a true crime fake. No, it's a yeah, it's a fake. So Jim Stormy Weathers at the end of every every episode will say a true crime podcast, and the label outside will always say a fake crime podcast. Jim is not the one sharing it on Facebook right now. I am Professor Kenneth Quinnell. I'm sharing it on Facebook. Interesting. Real I people. need to wait and see the rest of this shit. Tiramisu, like, motherfucker. Yo. You're going to learn more. Yo. You're going to learn things quicker. 
from your appearance as one of the characters yeah. than so the public is. I need to be a character quickly. You, you will be, no, no, it doesn't have no, to be no, quickly. Actually, not, like, not. There are eight more episodes. Yeah. I mean, I'm getting, yeah. I'm not, Episode 10 is just me and Charles. Mm-hmm. So there are really seven more episodes. Yeah. So when's the, actually, good question to end the podcast on. When is the next episode? So we took a week off because of Thanksgiving. No. Not because of publication, but because yeah. recording. Yeah. I need I need eight characters, and I can't ask yeah. them to do it on yeah. Thanksgiving or Thanksgiving weekend. Yeah. So that's why Tuesday normally would be the new episode. Instead, Tuesday will be this. Mm-hmm. The, yeah. So we'll try to get people in the after show. We've done the first after show. Now we're doing the second one. And the second one, even when I edit this, is going to be significantly longer Mm -hmm. than the actual episode. Yeah. (laughs) Because we're already at Yeah. As these things are. But that's okay. And that's fine. Jack Hughes, why did Chris lie? That's a good question. And I don't know the answer. What do you think? Well, because I don't play play Chris. I play an actor playing Chris. But... Everybody answer why you think Chris was lying. Uh, so I feel like it's a lot. Everybody think it's a lot of what you were saying, uh, Ghetto Gandhi. A lot of the, a lot of it is probably like, oh, he's got issues, and like the the thing that, the thing that people think that I am is not the real me. So I'm gonna write a thing that is the subjective truth, but perhaps not the objective truth. So what is what is truth telling? Yeah, I think you're—he—he's a writer, right? He's creating something. He wants to elicit some kind of emotional response, and so he's playing on sort of what the social representation of his experience is more likely to be, right? Yes, but how does that play in with the obituary thing and the post interviews that say he's actually a star athlete? How does that play in? I want you to expand on that. Just talk for 30 seconds on what you just said. So I think what Charles said, I'm not going to come out and say blatantly wrong because it's really bluntly what the truth is. People, Mm -hmm. he is not right for feeling these ways. But I feel like a lot of people are hesitant to be, I don't want to say egotistical, but egotistical. Mm -hmm. I think people are really hesitant to say, I am the best at this. I am good at this. They're, They're not ready and willing to admit that because there is always someone better or they think there is always someone better mm-hmm. and I think that's I mean important in this analysis of why did he lie however like I mean you could lie and say some things but I feel like the entire novel letter was yeah. a lie there are things that could have been true like he didn't need to lie about his parents being abusive he didn't need to lie about Tim not or no tim is definitely gay he didn't need to lie about tim being gay he didn't need to lie about not loving tracy or he could have lied of one of those things and not all three mm-hmm. that's part of the question too yeah so i think there's stuff with like 
with identity politics in general, and I think that going back to the fact that people have with identity and with perception being like not to the like not pres- but okay like being per- perception being everything I think in terms of what he as a 17 8 year old to 18 year old senior I don't know how old 17. he is because, he's 17 okay 17 as, as a 17 year old senior the idea of people telling you who you are and have this perception that you have to keep up and maintain there's pressures within that and so I think that what he was doing was a reaction and a response to okay you perceive me as this way so I, I so before I even continue this I forget is it clear who Chris's target audience was with the letter I, I must I might no. have missed that no okay so and it, that, is target so I know he alludes his to like base mom, tar- you see this. his base target audience is is it like his cool students his, is it his public whoever that is so family friends students teachers okay the people that would follow him it's very uh, like many other characters that do this type of thing he's very media and message oriented Okay. He's making this statement that people, in quotes, will hear. Okay. People will hear this. So, taking what you just said, I think that he was doing a couple different things. So I think that one, he was using his power to 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 do something. I think that what he was, I think that part of what he was doing was taking his status in that community as the quarterback who won the three back-to-back championships, the one who you look to as this star athlete, as this model of masculinity and things to say, you know what, actually, I have layers and flaws and things that you don't see, so let me air some of my baggage and some of my garbage and my trash in ways that you guys need to know. And so, uh, this kind of for me, alludes back to the spike that joint bamboozled. Like, like, and then in that conversation, like, Plessy Coates and Chappelle, like, when they go through those spaces of the satire dilemma where it's like, well, when I'm doing these things, mm-hmm. when people are digesting what I'm saying, what are you laughing at? What are yeah. you, what about what I'm doing it about myself do yeah. you actually get them are they laughing with you or laughing or at, at you, you. I right. promise you there's a layer in this that is about black pride okay despite then, there being almost no black characters black? And like, Chris was not black see, and that's why, that's why I asked there. about like race yeah. and I'm and, very and explicitly like, casting black actors in it for characters that were originally written as white okay because like, yeah, I was wondering yeah. if like race or region or demographic yes. into some of these conversational pieces. Race is absolutely a part of this 100%, but always on a subtle level. Okay. And the easy way to think about it, as, as is gender on some level, but gender is a little more explicit because dating happens, but it's in addition to there being stories that if they were told, so like if you did a theater version of this and cast it with all black cast you have to change nothing nothing. yeah okay that's not an accident 
but it's also a thing where with the characters being whatever race it all works it still fits in because this toxic stuff that's taught to us is taught through sports and it's taught equally to people based on regardless of their race but is the toxicity and the toxic masculinity and all that stuff that's taught through sports it's not singled out if you're going through sports you're a man for this and you're not a man for that that's all part of it and it's not accident that we focus on that. Okay. Yeah, it, yeah there's, there's just yeah. questions around yeah. kind of, again, for me, who is his audience? So, so his audience is his classmates? Is his audience people in his town? Is his audience his family? A, is his audience he his is family's a, friends? He is a teenager who is suicidal trying to find an audience. We've all been there, right? Everyone in this room has been that teenager that no one listened to us, and we were trying to find an audience to listen yeah. to. That's who this kid is. But again, like I, in that space, I feel that even in that space, there's some direction that where you're trying to get oh, it's reciprocity from. We're not, we're not done. <laughs> so there, it's like, there are eight more episodes. Even in that I know where it's going. Out, like, yeah. what is he yearning out to get? some reciprocity so so this has a combination on purpose of very explicit things that are involved but also it's rife with implicit things it's rife with questions about every aspect of the story whether it be dating or sexuality or race or gender or high school or whatever everything is like this is how it happens is that okay that's the underlying theme through every fucking step of this. Okay. This is an exaggerated version of what really happens. Is it okay that this real thing is happening? So is it? Yeah. But, uh, so then, is he trying to be a reporter? And then that's a, that's a different kind of space. But. So yeah, and so the next step in what you're asking are the questions about what is the intent of the author, right? That stuff, as an author, I'm going to leave mostly ambiguous. I'm going to let you decide that from the text. And eventually, after the whole thing is over, I'll have a group of y'all get together and record question discussion thing without me being there. Mm -hmm. Just discussing what does this mean? What did Kenny mean? What is the bigger implication? What is, even if Kenny didn't mean this, what did, we recorded this and it counts. Yeah. Whatever that's, Kenny's original intention was, yeah. what came out. So yeah. that's all coming down the road. And oh, that's awesome. part of the examination of this. This is about masculinity in America. Mm-hmm. This is about, in particular, the masculinity in America that I was personally taught. Okay. It was wrong. Everything else goes from that. So that can guide further listening for me. Yes. In future and for everybody. Episodes. Yes. Because that in itself is a nugget that. It's a big when nugget. I hear that. It's a very big it nugget. Changes the friend that I listen to this. Yes. Because that, that gives me more of a, Absolutely. a guiding yeah. direction into yep. the space that this is yep. specifically. So, in. last thing I want to do on this one is tell me what you think is coming next. What do you think is coming next, Charles? Uh, so I think there's going to be... I mean, like, the, the, the hole's going to get deeper. So we're going to find what out... What hole? Uh, the, like, oh, the... the uh, I feel like I feel like Chris probably has, like, a secret life. We might, we might learn about the secret life. Because, like, obviously something happened in the Ides of March. Um, March 15th. So, like, there's going to be something there that's probably going to 
help inform. And then another thing is, I feel like I feel like this probably is not the last time we'll hear of Tim. Hear from Tim, perhaps. <laughs> uh, but it's yeah. definitely not the last time you'll hear. Of Tim. Yeah, so that's that's that is what I think. But more importantly, it's not the last time we hear from you. Yes. You have two more major episodes. Yes, exactly. So we'll, we'll find and one some. minor. Yes. Lila, what do you think is coming next? Um, Where do you think this is headed? So, true answer. No idea. <laughs> what I think. I Which think, is the best answer, by the way. I think our, as our, a writer. our, our journalist is going gonna, is gonna to follow up with some of these family members. And I think he's going to try and explore this coming out story. Um, because he seemed to mention it a few times in his in his story in this episode, so that suggests to me that it's something that sparked some kind of interest, if not identification. Well, Are you so suggesting maybe Chris is gay and that's why he committed suicide? Still well, Devon already suggested that. Right. Devon suggested that Chris is gay. So yeah, I'm suggesting that Jim Stormy Weathers is gay. Oh. 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 Devon, where do you think this is going? I think that, again, that Chris is gay and that he has a secret life involved in exploring that part of his sexuality. And I think that Tim is tied into that piece. And I'm curious to see... So, uh, thanks for clarity. Who is yep. Carrie's character in... Carrie is Audrey Palmer. Okay, and how, Audrey so Palmer is just a there. friend. She's a popular girl that was friends with Tracy and Chris and okay. Tim and all that crowd. So I think that Carrie is his con- well, Carrie's character. I think that, that that's his confidant, and that's the one that he kind of came out to and touched base with, and that she helped him get through navigating all the other. Stuff of uh, like, Audrey definitely was, comes back for another episode. I think she was his one of his one of his touch points and one of his uh, spaces of comfort, along with Tim. And I think some of that stuff will come out. And I think again, like, there's something big in that realm happened in that March 15th space. The betrayal's already there. Yeah. At a minimum, he betrayed his family. But he also yeah. seemed to betray Tim, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. From what he said and what Tim said, that sounds like a betrayal. Right, Tim yeah. seems betrayed. Yeah. I, I don't have to guess at that. That's in the episode that's already yeah, appeared. Right. So, Samara, what is your uh, what is your? Prediction? Where's it going? What's What do you think's coming? Holly, I hope Judy Foster Registrar <laughs> comes back. <laughs> she does. But I love her. She is my favorite character that I played of the four characters I played in that episode. You played one. <laughs> I played four. I played your name as your character. I played Judy Foster. I played Carrie stating to three. But still, I mean, I, I, of my characters that I have played so far, she is my absolute favorite. So I, I actually really fucking love Judy Foster. Just like one of my, this is like I wanted to cast you. It's a relatively small role, but like she's is it one of my. Because you love me. Yes. But it's also, it's like you could fill that out. It's a very fun, funny character. Mm-hmm. In the middle, and that's like what episode two is supposed to be going back I and work. forth. <laughs> I work. Episode I two, work. Episode two is supposed to be going back and forth between me and Kevin mm-hmm. saying the most horrific shit you can think yeah. of. And everybody else balancing that with silly shit. Yeah. 
That was literally the point. Thanks, everyone, for listening to the uh, All-American After Show, the uh, show based on uh, All-American, the uh, fake crime podcast. Have a nice Tuesday.